Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Hey, Pastor Carl here with Miriam, who is the co-director of Revival Kids. Welcome to the Revival Life Church podcast, video, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we had a great service today. We did. We, we did. did. It was great. We were in our second week of Advent, and uh, Miriam uh, is bringing the word out of Mark and Isaiah. Yeah, Isaiah 40. And the main point was? The main point was that Jesus has come, and he is coming in your life. Yeah. And we need to prepare. And we need to prepare. And in this season of preparation, if you don't get any farther than this, we are challenging people to maybe check in your heart sin-wise how you need to prepare for Jesus. Check in your life to see how God may have you reach out to someone else in the third way. See if God just wants to reignite hope and joy for his coming. Yeah. And so as you listen to this podcast, we pray that it would be an encouragement to you. It would foster your faith and you would be drawn deeper in love with Jesus. And we look forward to Christmas service December 24th. We, we don't have a guest preacher today. We have a, a preacher in our house. Uh, and so today, I want you to stand your feet in honor Miriam Thomas, who's going to bring the word of God. She's going to bring the word of God today. We're going to, she's going to, oh, she's got a cup. She's got water. She's got stuff going on. Stretch your hand forth, if you would, as she prepares. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that Miriam's not coming with a word. She's coming with the word, Father. I pray that you would prepare our hearts to receive and you would prepare our minds to understand and that you would hover in this place and you would do what only you can do, that you take the coal from the altar and you put it to the lips of the preacher, Father, and that she would be anointed in this day in this hour with the word of God and all God's people said amen amen Amen. give it up for Miriam if you would hi everybody Uh, as pastor said my name is Miriam Thomas Uh, we are about to do the Apostles Creed so if everyone could just keep standing great I could start but Apostles Creed Creed. (laughs) Okay. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into heaven, and on the third day he rose again. <laughs> he descended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. You come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Okay, so just uh, go ahead and declare the peace of God over people around you. Yes. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> So my name is Miriam Thomas again. No relation to pastor and pastora other than spiritually. I would say that they're my spiritual parents. So 
Yeah. <laughs> and and I want to thank them and honor them for just allowing me to have this opportunity to come and preach first time. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm also the co-director of Revival Kids with Brianna. And just, yes, clap it up. <laughs> I love Revival Kids because we're not just doing babysitting back there. We're ministering to the children. Amen. And I know personally I've been blessed from ministering over there. But also when I was a child, the stories that I would learn and the things that I would hear, I would grasp them and just believe them. And I would pray these audacious prayers. I remember when I learned about Moses and how he was God's friend and he saw God face to face like one sees a friend. And I remember as a kid just logically thinking, wait, God's my friend. So then I should be able to see the face of God. And so I started praying that God would let me see his face. And I don't know how many of you guys would pray that now, but as a little kid, you believe you have this you know, faith, and it inspires adults, too. Yeah. So, uh, shameless plug, serving Revival Kids. <laughs> yeah. And uh, my husband is Jackson Thomas, and I just want to honor him. Yes. <laughs> he is amazing. I love him. He got me this water over here, and he's sitting on the... In the second row, which he grew up Baptist, so that's a huge deal. So he's a very supportive husband. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So we're going to turn to Mark 1, but before we get there, I just want to give a little introduction. Just go ahead and prepare Mark 1. We're currently in our season of Advent, our message series. And I personally, I grew up Pentecostal, so I don't know about you guys, but I knew nothing about Advent. Like, I had heard the word Advent, I had heard about Lent, but I didn't know anything about this. So I started looking it up, and if you're like me and you're not sure, Advent is a Latin word for coming. So what we're doing in this season of Advent is we are celebrating and preparing for the coming of Christ. Yeah. It is the coming of Christ when he came here on earth, the nativity of Christ, but also the coming, his second coming. So it's both past and future coming of Jesus. And this is what we're meditating on in this season. And that's what I want you guys to get out of this message, is that Jesus has come and he is coming. So... Get that in your spirit. I'm going to be saying it a lot. Jesus has come, and he is coming. So as we're, you know, having expectant waiting and preparation, there's a lot of different ways that you can wait. And so I, I was thinking about waiting for Christmas. When you're a little kid, you are so excited for Christmas because there's presents, and there's, you know, all these lights, and candy and just your family's coming you're gonna see your cousins it's just such an exciting time so if you tell kids like if you go back there and you tell the kids are you excited for christmas you know they're gonna yell you know you're gonna hear them say oh my gosh yes i'm so excited for christmas yeah so they have this like eager joy and excitement for christmas now with parents or adults 
we kind of have a range of excitement. It's a little less. It's not like a kid. Like, I've never gone up to a, an adult and said, are you excited for Christmas? None of them have said, oh, my gosh, yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> but the adults, with adults, there is a range, right? So, like, you have the people that are, like, that guy from the movie Elf who are, like, just going crazy about Christmas and are just like, yeah, Christmas. And then you have people that are more like the Grinch. I Like, I'll be honest, I, like, usually fall more towards the Grinch side when it comes to Christmas time. But my heart always grows three sizes. So, <laughs> you know, it's good. <laughs> but, yeah, so there's, you know, different ways of, of waiting. And the way that adults wait whether they're excited like Elf or, you know, grinchy like me, <laughs> they, they know that there's preparation involved, right? Like, with kids, you're just excited because you're going to get stuff. But when you're an adult, you have to prepare. You know, who's getting the stuff? It's you. It's coming out of your paycheck. You know, you're buying the presents. Logistically, where are we going to meet? Whose house are we going to meet? Who's going to pay? Uh, Who's going to host? You know, who's going to bring what food? And just there's all this preparation that goes into it. So whether you're like super excited about it or not, there's all this preparation to the way that we celebrate Christmas. And so this is a good thing to remember during the season is that we need to be both. We need to be excited like kids about the coming of Jesus. But we also need to be mature in the faith and adults and prepare for the coming of Jesus. So there's a maturity that comes, and when you do, you start preparing for Jesus. So again, Jesus has come and is coming, so we're going to prepare, right? Yeah. Now, if you go to Mark 1, we'll start in verse 1. It says, in the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, give you a second. Yeah. <laughs> okay. In the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> so to talk about Mark, if we talk about the beginning of it, it says the gospel, right? The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, what is the gospel? The gospel is good news. Yeah. The Greek word is eongelia, probably not pronounced that way. But, <laughs> but the context to that word is it's not just regular good news. It was typically royal announcement good news. Now, say that King David was, you know, waiting, waging battle somewhere, and he wants to know, like, did we win? Am I still in charge? Am I still on the throne? A messenger would come with the good news and say, we won, and yes, you're still on the throne. If you had a new king, same thing. A messenger would come and would say, we have a new king on the throne. And so when we hear the gospel saying, in the beginning was the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're talking, this is good news, that a new king is on the throne. That's 
And then we go on, and he references a few prophecies, and he specifically points to one in Isaiah chapter 40. Now, the Bible is so cool, so I'm going to go through some of the context. Um, In order to understand Isaiah chapter 40, you need to understand where Israel was. So, in the beginning of Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet has this encounter with the Lord, and God tells him he has a message for him to give to the people of Israel. And he says that they need to repent because they are breaking the covenant of God. See, God had chosen them to be his people, to be a special people, to live not like other people, and to be a blessing to the other nations. But they broke all of the laws, and they even split up. So there were two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And Isaiah was saying, if you don't repent, God is going to release you to the consequences of your actions, and an empire is going to come and take captive take you captive, take you exile. Now, that first happened with Assyria. Assyria came, they took over the northern kingdom, took them into exile, and the southern kingdom, did they repent? No. (laughs) What did they do? They were like, we we know why they were taken, because we're the real people of God. Like, they split from us. You know, they don't have the real temple. We have the real temple. We have, like, we're special, And they didn't recognize the sin in their life. They were looking at other people's sin. And then what happens? Isaiah 39, the Babylonian captivity happens. And they're taken from their home. The king is taken. Their city is destroyed. And the temple is destroyed. So being taken from home is hard. Because I don't know about you guys, but I absolutely love my home. I am very thankful for it. I've, I think I've always been a homebody. And there are times where, you know, it's good to get out, like vacation, cruise. It's great. But there's also a comfort of coming back home, yeah. right? Yeah. And there's also a difference of when you go because you want to go on a trip, you want to go on a vacation, you have a purpose for going there. And that's different than when you're somewhere without a purpose and you're not home. So let me give you... Just a little story. Uh, this year, I've been traveling a lot for work. I work for a nonprofit called One Hope. It's for God's Word Every Child. Um, and I, I love what I do because I'm very passionate about children. And I've been going to different countries. So I've gone to Brazil, the Netherlands, um, Kenya, and Cambodia. I was also supposed to go to Vietnam, but I had issues with my visa. So when I was in Cambodia, on my way to Vietnam, they stopped me and said, no, there's this issue with your visa, you can't go. So my coworker and I are trying to figure out, okay, like, what are we going to do? Now, during this time, the Cambodian people were celebrating these holidays, and it was like the equivalent of Thanksgiving. So everyone from the field, like the, our coworkers, but that live there, they all went back to their families. Like, they couldn't host us. So... We had to be stuck in the hotel, just waiting. Are we going to get a visa? Is it going to be today? No. Is it going to be tomorrow? No. And we're just waiting in this hotel. And I'm telling you, it was horrible. Now, like I said, I'm a homebody. So like at first I was like, okay, this is fine. 
But I'm sure as all of you know, during COVID, you kind of got sick of your home, right? You went stir crazy. So I went stir crazy so quickly. I just wanted to get out and I could not wait to go back home. There was this just an increase in that expectation in the waiting of like, I really want to go home. I want to be with my husband. I just, I want to get out of this hotel. So that's what the Israels were the Israelites were going through, but even worse, like to a greater degree, right? Because not only were they taken away from their comfortable home, but their home was destroyed. So now there's no home to go back to. And the temple, especially for Judah, they really thought this was like a huge deal and that they were going to be protected because they had the temple. But the temple was also destroyed. The temple was where God was supposed to dwell. It was a symbol that God was with them. And now was destroyed. So that's devastating, right? Like this symbol that says God is with us is now destroyed. So is God with us? That's what they are asking themselves. Is God with us? Where has God gone? What about the promises about being a blessing to others? 150 years go by. So between Isaiah 39 to Isaiah 40, you have 150 years of the people of Israel being in exile. That means that all these people that were originally taken captive have passed away, and a new generation was born into exile. And even though they were born there, that was not their home. That was not where God intended them to be. They were asking, has God abandoned us? And I think that's a reasonable question you know, given everything that's happened. And that's where we get to Isaiah 40. So go ahead and turn to Isaiah 40. These people that were living in exile, that were born into exile, are about to hear this new message where the... (laughs) You got it? Yeah. They're about to hear this message of comfort and of hope. So Isaiah 40, verse 1. Comfort, O comfort, my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice calling, clear the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert highway for our Lord. Let every valley be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. Let the rough ground become a plain, and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all flesh will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now, that is good news, right? That is good news. There, for the Israelites, right, the sin that initially led them into captivity has been covered. So their iniquity has been covered. Their exile is coming to an end. And he's saying that the glory of the Lord will be revealed. So that, that's such good news, right? That's great. I mean, if I heard that after a hundred years of captivity, I'd be pretty excited. This is where we get to Mark. So Again, like I said, the Bible is so cool because you can read, you know, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
and then read about Isaiah preparing the way of the Lord and just keep going and very easily miss all of the intricacies, all of the links that this author is making. See, Mark saw what God had done, and because he saw what God had done, he was able to see what God was doing. God was working in all these different layers, and we're going to connect some of those. Uh, In all of this, just remember that God is for you. During all of this, regardless of where you are, for the Israelites, he was for them. For the audience in Mark, God is for them. And for us, he is for us. God is for you, and he is coming, and he has come. So when Mark says that this is the good news of the coming of Jesus, and he's referencing Isaiah, he is calling back these themes that their iniquity will be removed, that their exile is coming to an end, and that the glory of the Lord will be revealed. This is everything that Mark is just pulling back from the Old Testament. He's bridging Old Testament and New Testament. And this really meant something to the people of Israel at the time where Mark wrote this. Let me explain why. So Isaiah 40 said that the exile was going to be over, right? And it was. The Persian Empire came and they you know, took over Babylon. And then a lot of the Israelites were able to go back home. But the, they were still under Persian rule. And after the Persians came the Greeks. After the Greeks came the Romans. And so they're still in captivity. They're still, you know, in a government that is just like ruling over their life. They're not living like they were before they were in exile. And so if you hear this, thinking about this, and if you catch these connections, your exile is coming to an end. Okay, so Babylon, their government was taken down. Does that mean Rome is going to be taken down? No. Jesus came in an unexpected way. Mark is saying that their exile was going to come to an end, but in an unexpected way. Jesus didn't come to overthrow the the government. He didn't come like that. He came preaching of the kingdom of God. And so bringing this to us, We're currently in a spiritual exile. Like the Israelites, we were also born into exile. But it's a spiritual exile, right? A separation from God because of our sin. But there's good news. And the good news is that Jesus has come and he is coming. And there is a king coming, a new reign Do you feel uncomfortable here? Not here at church, but in general, like South Florida, maybe like the culture could be a little bit weird. Everyone is very materialistic. You know, do you, do you feel uncomfortable at work? You know, maybe people are telling these jokes and you, you think they're not funny. They're not funny. They're, they don't honor God. They're not honoring people. Do you feel uncomfortable online 
where you see people talking about wars and just, you know, bashing each other with words? Do you feel uncomfortable when you read some of these things? I want to tell you that that's good. You're uncomfortable for a reason. You're uncomfortable because you're not home. This is not your home. And there's good news that we are going back home. So when Jesus came, he came to make a way out of our exile. And he came preaching about the kingdom of God. He said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And this could get lost a lot of times. But when you start connecting the good news, it's a royal announcement. The kingdom of heaven, royal. We're announcing God's reign. The kingdom of heaven is a place where God rules and reigns in our life and in the life of people around us. So we're introducing the fact that God is coming to bring his rule and his reign. And it's unexpected because God's kingdom, like I said, it didn't come to overthrow the government. If your hope is that your exile coming to an end is, you know, the Republican Party is going to win or the Democratic uh, Party is going to win or maybe like a third party is going to win and then, then we'll be living in the kingdom of God. That's not it. You're going to miss it. And you don't want to miss it. You got to recognize that the kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom. When Jesus came, he said to love your neighbor as yourself, to love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. He came preaching this radical love. That was his kingdom. It wasn't overthrowing the government. It was deeper than that. And it was eternal. And he's calling us to spread that kingdom as well. This is good news, guys. This is good news. So the kingdom of heaven is a place where God rules and reigns. This is our true home. And Jesus embodies the reign of God. So it's just so cool. When you hear that Jesus was going to be lifted up, he said he'd be lifted up. People are getting that imagery in their mind of like a king. Okay, Jesus is the new king. He's going to take over. How was he lifted up? He was lifted up on a cross. How was he enthroned? He was crowned with a, a crown of thorns. How upside down is that? Right? That is his enthronement. We're called to die to ourselves. It's not a nice thing to think about, but this is the upside down kingdom consistently. And it's like a seed, he says, that you come and you, you die and you're buried, but then from it, you grow and you flourish. There's a way that God made you to flourish, a true way. And if you think you're something else, you're, you're not going to get the things you need to grow and flourish the way that God designed you to. That's why it's important to live in the kingdom. So like the Israelites, your exile is coming to an end, but in an unexpected way. Because if you have the wrong expectations, you won't recognize what God is doing. And maybe you won't receive what God has for you. Because sin deceives, right? 
We've been talking about the lies of the enemy in our last message series. Sin deceives. It can tell us that this thing here is so much better than the things that God has for us. But that's, that's a deceit. That is a lie of the enemy. You don't want to listen to that. You want to listen to the voice of truth. Sin deceits and it keeps you from the things that God has for you. It keeps you from being able to flourish and you know, flourish where God has planted you, where God wants you to be. It's important for us to recognize that or else we'll miss it. And so we have your exile is coming to an end. Your iniquity is being removed. This is part of the iniquity being removed. It's not just the one time praying that God would come into our life and he does remove our sins. That's one way. But another way is sanctification. As we continue to walk with God, we become more and more like him. And this is another way that our iniquity is removed. So as we're walking with him and we're becoming more like him, our iniquity is just leaving. And then the glory of the Lord will be revealed to us. Who wants to see the glory of the Lord? Yeah. I want to see the glory of the Lord. I want to see the face of God. You know, I pray for that. I prayed for that as a kid. And we can see the glory of the Lord. So I want to tell you guys a few testimonies about Revival Kids. So in Revival Kids, sometimes the kids just experience God. And it is amazing. So we do a lesson. We tell them the word of God. This is real spiritual formation that we're doing back there. Real discipleship. And then if we have time, we'll have them soak. So just meditate on what we've learned. Pray to God, what do you have to say to me? They don't have to hear anything. We're not trying to like make them conjure up anything. But we do want them to practice hearing from the Lord and to be expectant that he will speak. So there was one time where a little girl came up to me and she said, I saw God and he took me by the hand and I was like, that's beautiful. And he walked me into this place and he sat me down at a table and there was so much food and then he told me to eat. (laughs) Now some of you guys are laughing because you know that's in the Bible. That's in the Bible. You know that God is speaking to these kids. God is being revealed. His glory is being revealed. God wants his glory to be revealed in us. There was another time where a little girl told me that she saw God. And this one really got me because she just, it was so simple. She said, I saw God and he had his arms open up and he just said, Anna, I receive you. And man, if that's not God. <laughs> that, it, don't you want God to receive you? Imagine that. Imagine having these experiences as a kid that form you, that form your relationship with God as an adult. 
We can learn so much from kids, and it's so easy to dismiss them. It's so easy to think, you know, oh, they don't get it. You know, they have a lot to learn, but we also have a lot to learn. <laughs> and if I recall correctly, Jesus said that we need to be like children. <laughs> he said it's to them that he's revealed the kingdom of God. To them, he's revealed things that are secret to us that we don't know. And when we tap into something like that, when we recognize the kingdom at work, this upside down kingdom that would tell us we can't receive from a child, when we humble ourselves and receive from this child, we see the glory of the Lord being revealed. Right? Because you could think, what can we get from a child? You know, how can we see the glory of the Lord in a child? But this is a perfect time to remember that Jesus came as a baby. His glory was revealed as a baby. You know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't try to, I don't know, see with human eyes, but see with the eyes of God, the eyes of the kingdom. We want to be able to recognize what God is doing. And in order to recognize what God is doing, we need to be in his kingdom. We need to be under his rule and reign. That means we need to submit to the king. Submit to the king because he wants to show his glory. So in this Advent season, we're not just remembering the first coming, right? We've talked a lot about that. And Mark really did a great job. (laughs) We're also talking about his second coming. Because Jesus has come and he is coming, right? He has come and he is coming. But this is a personal thing. Jesus has come and is coming in your life. You might not have recognized it, but he is working. He has come. The fact that you're here means that he has come and he's working in your life and he is coming in your life. He has so much for you in this kingdom where he's king and we we submit under his reign. But like I said, there's still this uncomfortableness in the world, right? And we're not fully there. Jesus has come and he is coming. And when Jesus preached that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he was saying that the kingdom is here. It also started like a little seed and it's coming, it's growing. The kingdom of heaven is here. That's why we pray. That's why Jesus told us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. We need to pray the kingdom of heaven be here. If we think too much about, you know, afterlife, we, we miss again what he's doing here and now. He's coming in your life. Are you going to recognize it? Are you going to recognize it? So what do we do? This is a time of Advent, thinking about, you know, the coming of Jesus, his first coming, his second coming, eager expectation, but also preparation. Like I said, it's not just about being excited like little kids, although we also need to be excited like little kids, but it's about being mature in the faith and preparing What is God doing in your life? 
What is God doing in my life? How do we prepare? Well, one way, Jesus came, I'm sorry, John came preaching a baptism of repentance of the forgiveness of sins, right? So this is one way we can prepare, but there are a lot of different ways that we can prepare. If I could have the worship team come up. Like I said in the beginning, there are different types of waiting during Christmas time, right? Kids eagerly waiting and adults also excited but preparing. And as an adult, you know, you're preparing, you know, when you're buying presents, that's not for you, right? When you're preparing, you're preparing for other people. This preparation isn't just for you and your life. It definitely is, but it is and it's for others. You got to know that the maturity that comes in the faith as you intentionally prepare for the coming of God in your life is important for others too. Your preparing is, is bringing God to somebody else. So we want to have that eager expectation and also the preparation. We can partner with Holy Spirit so that others can meet Christ. So I want to end by asking you guys, you know, how is God telling you to wait in this season? Maybe he's telling you, you know, I want to reignite that joy, that excitement for me, knowing that I'm coming. Maybe he wants to reignite that passion and that eager expectation like a child. You know, maybe he's been pointing out a sin in your life and telling you, you gotta, you gotta repent. Repent and turn to me. Maybe God's telling you that's how you prepare during this season. Or maybe, maybe he's calling you to be like John the Baptist and be a messenger to others. Prepare the way for others to hear his good news. You know, a way you could do that is by serving in the children's ministry. <laughs> Be a messenger to the kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you knew I would plug that in. <laughs> but but in all honesty, the messenger could be back there. The messenger for you could be a child. And you humbling yourself to receive from a child, you could see the glory of God revealed in that. Guys, the Bible is so cool. I hope that you guys saw a little bit of that. And I, I tried so hard not to go to Genesis because really like from Genesis to Revelation, it's all connected. There are these themes that just weave throughout scripture and it is the coolest thing. So uh, talk to me after service if you're interested. Uh, but I'm not going to go back to Genesis, but I do want to end with Revelation. So the very last chapter of the Bible, the book of Revelation, and right the last book of the Bible, Revelation, the last chapter of the book of the Bible, chapter 22, we see the Spirit... Oh, and if you're going to turn there, it's uh, chapter 22, verse 17. 
it says, the spirit and the bride say, come. Advent, right? Jesus has come and is coming. And Holy Spirit is saying, come. The bride, that's us, is saying, come. We could be just thankful knowing that Holy Spirit and the church are cheering us on, right? They're saying, come. We can be the bride. We're called to be the bride to say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost. Jesus has come and he is coming. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. So I'm going to pray and I just want you guys to be open. Be open to what Holy Spirit is, is doing in your life, what he's saying in your life. Don't miss it. Humble yourself. Let's pray. Oh, let's stand. <laughs> and now let's pray. Father, thank you so much. You are so good. You are so holy. You are so worthy. And you are our king. Lord, help us to live under your reign as king. Father, in this time of Advent, as we reflect on your first coming and eagerly await your second coming, Lord, allow us, allow our hearts to be soft, God. Allow us to receive from you in unexpected ways. Help us to humble ourselves, to die to ourselves. Re reignite that passion for your coming, God. Reignite that joy, that, that hopeful expectation knowing that you are coming in our life. And Father, I just pray that you would help us and empower us to be messengers of your good news, of your rule and reign here on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Give it up for Miriam, everybody. Come on. Give it up. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Hallelujah. Unmute this mic if you would. Here's real quick while you're standing. We're going to sing in a second. You muted me. Yeah, here we go. Never mute me. All right. Um, <clears throat> hallelujah. Uh, uh, see if that works. Keep, keep, yeah. Come on, it's on, the, it's on the 16 through 31. Testing, testing. There you go. There we go. So, so one of the things I love hanging out with Miriam about is we both just love, love, love the Bible. We love it not like, not like we're looking for the, the rule book, like like she talked about the two kingdoms. Some people read the Bible like they're the northern or they're the southern kingdom, pointing out what's wrong with the northern kingdom. Look, I found in the book why those people are wrong. Like, no, we we love talking about this because we see Jesus all over it, and it's just awesome. And, and I want to reiterate one of her points. I hate when people preach after me when they come up, but here I am. You're good. You're my pastor. <laughs> so so the, way, the, way, the way Greek 
um, stories were told uh, in the in the days of the Bible. And the literature of the Bible is a product of its environment. And what happens is a lot at the beginning. You keep playing that a little bit. That sounds nice. Keep playing. And so what you see is what you see at the beginning is then repeated at the end, right? And this is so important. How it starts is how it ends. And and I don't have time to break it down. I'll, I'll save some nuggets for some other message so I sound profound. But Miriam talked about how at the very beginning there was a proclamation that prepare for the, the the king, right? The gospel. This proclamation that a new kingdom is coming, right? Remember that. Remember, I'm going to keep saying this. Remember that? Remember she talked about that? And then you get to the end of the book of Mark. What happens at the end? The king makes a decree. He says, go into all the earth and preach the gospel. So at the beginning, the gospel comes that the king is coming on the throne. And at the end, the king is on the throne saying, go and preach the gospel. The king is on the throne. Does that make sense? How the story started is how it ends. Yes. And Miriam gave you three options on how to reignite your faith because I feel like this is what we're coming into in this next season. Christmas is the season people are most likely to come to church. Christmas and Easter are mostly Christmas. I want you to kind of extend your faith. Take some invitation cards out of the lobby and invite some people to church this Christmas season so that people can come to the knowledge of Christ and watch what it does to your faith when you actually invite somebody to church. Watch how the Holy Ghost shows up in your life in a new and exciting way. Maybe this next season, the door to open this next season is for you to take a bold step of faith. Maybe invite somebody to church. Maybe you're going to actually humble yourself and be taught by the kids back there in Revival Kids for a season. Maybe you're going to be faithful to God in your finances, but make a decision now. What we're going to do is we're going to pray real quick through the song that God would fill us up with His Spirit so that we could come into what God has for us. Bring up the music if you would. And we're just going to pray this before we go. And then, and Miriam and I would love to meet whoever's in, in the lobby. But we're going to just pray this out of our heart just to fill us up, God. Come on, bring up the music. provide the fire okay. 